This is Mr. Carl Helbig. Lou Knapp is, is uh, doing the recording. Uh, Miller Walks uh, is uh, also here and will be asking questions, and Mr. Helbig's granddaughter is here as well. Now, how, how did you, we'll start by, how did you come to come to the green? Well, I'll tell you. In the first place, at that time I was dissatisfied and working at Light Torpedo Boat Company. At that time I was a machinist and then I saw that there was an opportunity if I talked with a superintendent being put up in the drafting room so that I could put some of the ideas that I had learned from being a, 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 a setting up their machinery and so forth or cutting that uh, maybe I could save the company money with the design of some of those. Well he bought the idea and he made it possible for me to do that. Was this in Bridgeport on Seaview Avenue? Was this was Lake located on Seaview Avenue in yes, Bridgeport? Yes, the Seaview Avenue. Okay. So uh, at that time, I was transferred up into that department, and while I did learn, I found out that uh, it wasn't all that it seemed to be, because I was sort of a the mood of analyzing the people as I walked up the aisle for more supplies. And uh, I saw some of the people that were much better educated than I, who had probably spent most of their life doing what they were doing, but uh, their lives were, were probably, uh, probably were affected by the close work that they had to do. Mm -hmm. And because uh, I saw one fellow that had thick glasses, not only that, but he had to use a magnifying glass too. So I tried it out and I decided that it wasn't for me. So it happened that my brother-in-law was a business in Mowbray. And uh, for that reason he told me to give up that, that I like business where I was, but come to work for him. Because it was uh, he was rather short of help, and uh, it's the funny thing, the way that things happen, this sermon, this the fellow that owned the corner store, he came over, he says, Mr. Muller, he says, I have a store, he says, I think you could be uh, well interested in it and make money at it. He says, at the present time, I don't believe it's being run properly, but uh, he says, I think with good, good business-like methods, we would probably be okay. So my brother-in-law says, well, he says, thanks for the opportunity, but he says, I can't take it because I got my head pulled out. So he says, I'll take it. So he says, well, it seems strange to, to him to think that a young fellow like me jumped into a thing like that. I was only 20 years old at the time. This was what year? Do you remember the year? 1920. 1920. Yep. And uh, so 
sure enough, I worked hard to work for him. And uh, while I was working for him, this offer came, and I said, I take it. I only had one, about two weeks of experience as a butcher. I didn't, of course, he can't learn much in two weeks. But uh, my father had been in the butcher business for all time, and I was not, never interested in it at that time. But of course, if the picture changed, and uh, of course, when I went over there, he graciously came over every day to help me over the rough spots and tell me more about how to do this and how to do that. Well, fortunately, this was sort of a virgin territory, and uh, either they, they had the other places to go, but they had to go further away for them, or they could come to me. Well, it shows that they came to me, and uh, so evidently that was a start, and from that time on I prospered. Grandpa, what about when they t you said you were coming to Paradise Green? What did they tell you in Bridgeport about Paradise Green? Paradise Green? What about it? Remember when you told me that they said it was way out in the country? I don't care. Remember when you were telling me about coming to Paradise Green yeah. and what they said about coming out of Bridgeport? Oh, I tell you, it uh, happened that my brother uh, had the same name as me, of course, and it was called Helbig's Market. Well, he was a little bit, uh, well, I don't know whether he was jealous or not, but he didn't want the name of Helbig's on the infrastructure. Uh, so uh, I thought thing all over and I thought I'd still use the name, but uh, I'd preface it with Carl A. Helbig's marker. And uh, that seemed to, uh, to satisfy him. So I got started in that way. At one time you told me that they told you when you were going to come to Paradise Green not to come to Paradise Green because it was way out in the country. Oh, yeah. Uh, it really was in the country at that time because across the street where the gasoline station is now, where Gleason used to be, it was just a lot. And uh, one day a stone wall was in front of us, a book there in front too. And, uh, one day I saw a deer being chased by by dogs, mm -hmm. and he jumped across the street and he went down to Longbow Park. Mm -hmm. See, and and uh, did they tell you that he wouldn't huh? do any good because it was out in the country? Yeah, it didn't bother me. It was out in the country. Max told me that is my brother. He told me that. I could have a prosperous business if I had 400 customers. Well, it didn't seem like so much to me. I was optimistic. <laughs> 400 customers is a lot of them. So uh, I started to offer some things a little bit different. And uh, at that time, the people depended upon Mr. Johnson. He was to have a horse and a wagon. And, uh, carry around his meat and ring a bell and 
and the people come outside and they select what he, they wanted and he'd give it to them. And of course, uh, it was much better if they had came to us, could come to a store, and especially when I began to advertise, it was free delivery. So when I had free delivery and and uh, vegetables and all of that, and then one of the, the things came along, so there was no inventions that were possible. Uh, I uh, I was the first one to receive frosted foods in Stratford, mm -hmm. and because of that, it was a novelty, of course, for people, because they were all against anything frozen before sure. then. But that uh, changed it because they found out that the, the fruits and the vegetables were very good. So uh, it helped in a sense. Mm -hmm. But uh, then, of course, I began to realize as the summer came along, I needed refrigeration. When you started, did you use ice for refrigeration yes. rather than electric? Yeah. Did Webbs deliver or who yeah, did? Yeah, that was brought and, and every uh, time that they, they would set up a pulley and, uh, and a hole and a hook for the ice cakes and they'd poke them up in the back and they'd push them in uh -huh. and they loaded as much as they could. And of course, the, uh, I said to them one time, the ice man, it just seems to me I use so much ice that uh, it's, uh, I ought to get it cheaper. Well, he says, you know, last year he says we didn't have a very good year for ice. But I says, well, it happens this year we had a record cold. So I says, how about that? I says, ice come down? He says, no. He says, we had a higher bar help. I had letters with Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I let think back one thing sort of leads into another. But uh, there were experiences that I had, and I thought I was smart at the time, but I found out that I was not. And uh, I had a uh, a series of break-ins on the store. It was more or less in the country, and it was possible for people to break in without being detected. So they broke the, the glass in the back door, and what paid me more than anything else was the fact that I had received a new barrel of pickles, two pickles. I got the big 52-gallon barrel. Oh, yes. And That's a full barrel. Silver weight or something. Yeah. And uh, so when I broke the back door at last, they pushed the things out of the way, and they pushed a new roll of glitter that I got in right into the pickles. Mm -hmm. And of course, that, that was an awful mess. Yeah. And uh, so the cops told me uh, after that that I better leave a light. I says, if I leave a light, the fellow would know just where to go. <laughs> well, he says, well, we'll also have a better chance to detect him. Was this Chief Nichols talking to you? Yeah. Well, I says, that may be all well. I'll try it. I tried it. He broke in again. 
this time I had bought a new register, cash register, and it was it uh, was nice sparkling milk. And it, I had my my nephew was working for me because at that time I didn't feel very good and he was taking my place. But uh, he locked up all of the money in the register and he turned the key and he thought he had it. The regular safe there. When a fellow came in, he couldn't open the register very well, so he took a big cleaver and he he worked with that and he did kind of a lot of havoc on the register, but he also cut himself pretty good. Well, they, uh, they eventually find out, found out who the fellow was, and uh, they caught him, but he didn't have anything to give back or anything. I couldn't see much sense of putting him in jail for something that he had done. It was the old fellow who attempted to what on so anyway I didn't pay for charges against him. So uh, that uh, then I went over I I found out that a, a dog was probably uh, a good protection for me in that place. So I went over to follow this a veterinary on John Street there, and I told him I wanted a dog, and I wanted it for that purpose. And uh, I says, I'd like to give us anything that uh, invited anything that moves. He gave me a nice focus, tall dog, it was an Italian bull, he said, with short hair and medium sized but strong looking. Well, that part was alright until the kids used to go by and they saw him chained up to the doghouse that they had him back there. And he used to shake sticks and things like that out and it made him furious. Well, one time there was one of the girls that did that, but he busted loose, he broke the, the collar. And down the street he went after the girl. Well, he finally caught up with her, of course, and he grabbed the whole of her skirt. He was perfectly satisfied with standing there and shaking the skirt. So, his, his mother called me up, and she says, Mr. Helvig, yes? I says, my daughter just came home, and she says, you've got a vicious dog there. And he, he attacked my daughter. Oh, I said, I'm surprised. I says, I had him chained up and everything else. Well, she says, whether he was chained or not, he was loose enough to, to catch my daughter. And I said, did he hurt her? No, but he scared her. And uh, so, well... Anyway, the outcome of it was, I thought I'd better get rid of the dog. So in the meantime, uh, it was a female, and she had some puppies. And so I had gotten rid of most of the puppies, and I kept one of them myself. So I put this, I took the mother in, and I put her in, a, in the, the uh, store, and I put the puppy on a chain. And uh, she came at the... Uh, so Katsuki came, he says, I understand you have a dog. I said, yes. 
who walks around, I said, there he is. He says, well, that's only a puppy. I said, yes, but it's, it's a very nice, nice puppy. See? Well, what I heard is, he's vicious. So, he says, <laughs> what is he licensed? I says, not yet. I said, when he gets licensed, when he gets old enough, he's got to be licensed and he must always keep him on a chain. I said, all right. So I took the dog back to Dr. Ashcroft, I think it was, and uh, I told him the dog was very good. But uh, I just didn't want it anymore. He was welcome to it. So I brought it back. So I kept the other one in. And he turned out to be a clumsy little mud. He couldn't get out of his own way. So that was sad. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. So, the uh, other stores at the Green. Yeah. Tell us what you remember. Well, well let's talk about Mr. Wells, Seymour Wells. Uh, yes, the Seymour Wells. Well, then there was the First National. It was right next to me. Uh -huh. And uh, there was, uh, oh, as I say, the Valancourts and so forth. She had a, uh, a very good store and whatnot, but. Uh, her brother-in-law, maybe it's her brother, I don't know. Ben Clow? Huh? Ben Clow? Yeah, Ben Clow. That's her brother. Yeah. Well, anyway, I think so, because there was a resemblance there. Yeah. And uh, anyway, he started a, a hardware department in her, in her store. Well, it turned out that uh, pretty well he, he could see the possibilities for a hardware store. So I had a big lot at that time. I had bought it because I thought I needed it for protection from the new landlord. I got who happened to be an aggressive fellow, that was George, and uh, he told me that the rent that I was paying would, uh, it would go up at the end of the month. What was his name, your landlord? I think it was Larry. Mm -hmm. I'm not positive, but I think so. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, I thought I'd better look around for a job, or for a, for a lot in case that he did begin to put the thing up to where I thought it was too much. So what happened, there was this lot that uh, I, it was 160 feet deep and uh, I forget exactly how wide. Well, it was plenty wide for two stores and a driveway. So, uh, this Benny, when he saw that uh, I had this lot, you know, the half of it, he wanted to buy half of it, and I said, I'd sell it to him, but he'd have to agree that we leave a driveway so that we could have access to the back of it. And I said, the driveway should be wide enough to be practical for the, the trucks that probably using it. So he was agreeable and it went back for so far and then that's as far as it went for him but it went all the way back for me. So sort of he had a sort of an L-shaped piece. Eventually he decided that he would like to get rid of that L-shape because he thought he might like to take it. But that right through to the other Street, to Plymouth Street, and uh, so 
he told me he'd like to, to buy it. I said, I haven't any idea what it's worth. Well, he says it was a case like that in another store, right, another place I know of. says it was $700. I said, that's okay with me. So he paid me $700, and I was satisfied, and he was satisfied. In the meantime, we had everything done legally. You know, we had a, a lawyer take care of everything. So uh, he asked a lot of questions that I didn't think about, but eventually we got the thing straightened out. So uh, that, uh, that was that. Oh, uh, he asked me about how much what the lot cost me. Well, I tell you, I said the lot that I had in the beginning, all the costs that I had when I figured them out divided by the cost, I found out it was so much of not good. So I says, you pay me that. I don't want any profit. But I, I says, I, I would. That would help me to put up my own store, mm -hmm. you see. So uh, he did that, and he put up a brick building that he has, and I put up the one that I, the Paradise Pizza is there now. Oh, a uh, question. Before the brick building, for a couple of years, someone had a miniature golf course yes. there. Was I, that? Uh, did you own it then? I, uh, they came to me and they asked permission for it, and I thought it might be paid for it, but uh, I never got a cent for it. Is that right? And, uh, <laughs> before that, they had a one of these signs, was Murphy or somebody did outside advertising. Uh -huh. I never got anything for that either. Uh -huh. So. Uh, so far as getting any benefits from those things, that's good, so I, I didn't. I see. So, that's that. Who else was in the green at the time? Who else had a store up there? Were there very, very many stores? Huh? No. In 1920, when you came there, were no. there very many stores? There weren't very many stores at that time. What was there? Huh? What was there? Well, as I can remember, I think Roberts was there as a drugstore, and then across the street, on Wilcox Navy Corner, was uh, another fellow uh, that uh, was a druggist, and uh, he had a lease for 20 years, and I thought that was wonderful. I wish that I had it, but I didn't. So anyway, he had the protector for 20 years. Well, you know it's surprising how fast 20 years can go by. Yep, it really is. So I don't know. Was, was Huntington Road a main street? Huh? Huntington Road. Was Huntington Road a main street? A main street? Huntington Road, was it very big? Oh, Huntington Road was, was a dirt road, so it, uh, it wasn't big. It wasn't popular, populated like it is now. Were there very many houses in this neighborhood? The what? Were there very many houses in this neighborhood? Uh, not very many, no. There was a... I used to be able to sit on there where Miller is and walk down at the pond there. It was very nice. It was nice and clear. But uh, the first thing was we got a little bit of prosperity after uh, Franklin Roosevelt got in and he, 
he found out that they were separate from anything, he said, for the lack of credit. And uh, so when he made credit available, and he divided the, the gold from $20 an ounce to $35 an ounce, and if there was more uh, loose money around that people could borrow and buy and build. At that time, the going rate for mortgages was 6%, which uh, doesn't seem like too much now, but uh, it did seem as though it was plenty at that time. When, uh, uh, before the houses were built, you say you could see Brewster's Pond from yeah. here on Wilcoxon Avenue. Uh, at that time, was the ice house still there? Was Brewster's ice house still at the pond? Was, or was the what? Brewster's ice house, or had that gone? Do you remember the ice house? Yes. What, what the houses went up were nice. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, so that part of it was good. What about the ice house? Huh? Was there an ice house there? Ice. Ice. House. And not uh, only up at the uh, Pond there. Okay, Brewster's had been torn down before you yeah, came here that's, then. That's the only uh -huh. one that I know. Uh -huh. When did you move into this home? Huh? When did you move into this home? Your home here? Oh, I, I bought that uh, home in 1923. Mm -hmm. Because. Uh, Becoming engaged, and uh, I had made plans for a vacation in uh, Nova Scotia. And I also, the fellow who was living here for this family, was the builder of it. And uh, I told him that uh, I would come, would be coming back a certain date, almost a well, I don't know how long it was, but uh, as long as he got out about. A month before I was going to come back, it would give me a chance for, to put in the furniture that I had ordered and uh, to get things ready for it. So when we came back, oh, and another interesting thing to me was <coughs> after I had bought the house, the first thing I noticed that I dug a, they were digging a cellar right next to it. Well, I, I was perturbed, of course, so I, I said to the fellow, I know that uh, you were going to put a house up there. I wouldn't have bought the place. He says, well, I'm sorry. He says, I had this more land here. I could build someplace else. Well, he says, I wish I would. Well, he says, it'll, it'll cost you, you know, money for me to put it back into shape and whatnot. So, at that time, I think it was either six or nine hundred dollars that I bought the lot for me. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing is going so crazy now that uh, a woman came here and she offered me sixty thousand dollars for the lot. Mm -hmm. And of course, I told her the house to me was no good without the lot because it uh, was nice and wide. Miller has a woman he has kept, and the two of them together makes a space. That, that is good. Right. It, it's very good. Mm -hmm. That's the reason. So, now, Miller, you've got a little information, too. Do I have some information? 
I know that you've been a very good neighbor. I've uh, enjoyed being your neighbor. When did you? I came here in 42, January. When did you? We only have a rough idea. I think uh, around your family growing up. 26 or something. Big part. I remember all of your family. Yeah, up. right. Who built this house? Who built this house? Oh, the, the uh, I could tell you about it. I know very well who it was. He's a builder. He built several of them up in, in other places, too. I'll think about yeah. it later. Yeah. He built the house and he eventually lived in. Off a corner of uh, Allendale Drive. It was, uh, I'll take it in a minute. I should be remember. Earlier on, I mentioned, <coughs> earlier on, I mentioned Mr. Lobdell, uh, well, Ike, Ike Lobdell. Yeah. Uh, what do you remember of him? Well, I can remember him. He was a, a, a hard working elderly man when I knew him. And uh, he'd asked me in the springtime if I could use any squashers, as they called them. And uh, so I can remember him bringing down vegetables, lettuce, and uh, all of those things with a wheelbarrow. And uh, he walked all the way from that Pleasant View Avenue, on the corner of uh, Huntington Road there, mm -hmm. all the way to my place. And uh, it never never seemed to bother him at all. And he told me, he says, when you, uh, when you grow things, he says, always remember, he says, it isn't always the outside rain that does so much good, but the water comes up from the bottom too. He says, that helps. So, he says, you look at the big stones or something, you pick one up and you'll know, see, even in dry weather, the bottom of it is moist. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, I didn't pay as much attention to those things I know here as, as I should have. Yeah. And uh, I didn't, didn't know I'd be called upon for my memory for those things. <laughs> well, for a man that's yeah. 88 and one half, you have a very good memory. Next, uh, very close to your store was the store that had the barber and the shoemaker. Mike the barber, yeah. and then I've forgotten who the shoemaker yeah, was. I did a little bit funny part of my course. When I built the new store, uh, Hubble is the one. He was a, 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 not only a neighbor, but Sam Hubble was the uh, owner of a big construction business. Mm -hmm. He built several of the large uh, well, old places. Well, Walter was his son. And he used to talk, come to the store after, after the closing up. And we'd sit and talk. And uh, he'd like to talk to me. And I liked to talk to him. So I eventually, it worked out well. Because I found out that uh, he would be the one to build my place. And he impressed me that the first cost was never the least mm -hmm. cost. And he told me that quality entered into it for many years from now. 
she says, you'll appreciate it. And so, well, the upshot was that when they went to the bank and they wanted to get, I went to a, a architect first, and he made plans for a, a, a store for me. And uh, so I took it down to the bank and they told me it was much too pretentious for uh, Paradise Korea. <laughs> so I uh, I tried very much. I didn't know much about how to get along or anything else, but uh, it looked as though I couldn't. So I I cashed any endowment policy that I had to get the cash, and I was open with Walter. I told him how much money I had and how much he estimated it would cost or what not. Well, he says, Kimberly said, all right. He says, I'll, I'll take a, a second mortgage on it. I says, well, that's fine. So sure enough, he says, I won't push you for the second mortgage here. Oh, so I said, all right. So that's how we were able to finance the, the building in that place. But uh, we changed the front somewhat. Uh, you know, and it was, wasn't any more of that limestone mm -hmm. pretentious thing. So uh, I got started, and I worked hard, of course, and anybody in a, a small business of their own has to be a credit manager, and it has to yes. be everything else in order to be found to make wrong decisions. Did you keep credit accounts for your customers yes, during I the did. Depression? Yeah. Your granddaughter has just shown me pictures of the interior of your uh, yeah, store, uh, right. as it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we. Uh, no, I'm not sure that I. Uh, no, Duck Brady. Doc Brady. Where does he actually go? Well, one time you told me about they used to go hunting with him. Oh, yeah. Uh, but that was uh, Eli Vanderhoff I went hunting with. He lived up on Highland Avenue. And that's the first place, the only place I got drunk. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the winter time. And we had come back, and it was cold outside. And of course, his house had a nice cellar. You walked right in there instead of walking upstairs. Well, after we got in there in a while, I felt good. He says, do you like wine? I said, yeah, I guess so. Well, he says, what kind do you like? Uh, sweet wine or sour wine? I says, I don't know. Well, he says, do you have he gave me some sweet wine. Tastes pretty good. He says, how do you <laughs> like that? I says, tastes pretty good. He says, I like this wine. There's the other one better. He says, you try this one. Had he? Is this wine that he had made? Yeah. Uh-huh. So I tried that one. 
So by the time I walked out and I opened the door, and it was cool outside, but it was warm inside, uh -huh. my feet didn't seem to hit the ground properly. And they, uh, I said, gee, I said, I can't be drunk. Well, I, I evidently was, but uh, I had parked the car on the hill, you know, that uh, Highland Avenue, yes. I think it was, and I came down off of that, and uh, I got home. When I got home, of course, I was hungry, and uh, my wife held a, had a, uh, had a large portion of spare ribs of sauerkraut. At that time, I had a, a wonderfully good appetite. Well, after everything, I tore into them, and I says, well, I think I'll take a nap. Oh, no. She says, not after that bolus that you ate. She said, no. She says, I tell you, we had a load of manure come over our Miller's lot. Mm -hmm. And I says, uh, but she says, half of it is ours. So I said, she said, you get the, the wagon. And she says, take a shovel and you'll get our share and leave this. So I walked down and I staggered down the street down there to watch and all. You pardon me for this, but I said, this is the last load of shit I'm going to... to do. Well, that was a well-earned sleep. I'll bet. <laughs> uh, did you... Oh, yeah. I I know a doctor that I, I made a radio for he was a doctor over Dr. Braga, Bragoa was his name. And uh, I never knew whether this came, uh, it was his own composition, or whether he had copied it. But I thought it was wonderful. This is a, uh, oh, it's a poem on the hunter's camp. Yeah. Where did you hunt, by the way? Was it in Stratford? No, he... He lived in, in uh, Devon. I see. On Nogatuck Avenue. Uh -huh. He had an office there. Oh, the sense of freedom that sweeps through the hunter's breast when the tramp of the day is over and he dreamily lies at rest in the glow of the blazing campfire that stabs at the robe of night and points at the gathering shadows with fingers of cherry light. That's beautiful. That's quite a guy. <laughs> Yeah. What was his name? Gregor. B R A G W. And uh, he was the the physician, that uh, family physician that uh, my s sister and her husband had when they lived on Wilmer Street in Devon. I don't know if he wrote them or copied them from somewhere. I see. I haven't been thinking that they fell probably to himself, but we're just writing. Yeah. Yes, who did you hunt with? Well, you were 16. Actually, I said. I, st I started when I was 16 at hunting, 
there were, it was allowable to be 16 at that time yes. to be a legal mother. So it happened that his, uh, his friend, Frank Swadke, was a, a tool maker at Crane Company in Bridgeport, and uh, he held a responsible position in uh, the American Tupa Stamping, which is now with, it's changed to Carpenter Steel, I guess it's called now. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, uh, it was night hunting, and uh, because they would hunt after they had done their day's work. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in order to uh, be efficient and important, they are sent down to uh, the south for a bulldog. So the bulldog came and uh, they found out how much to feed him in this way. They would give him more than what he could eat normally and what he what he could eat or were satisfied with. That was the amount of his ration in the future. So anyway, we'd go out and, uh, and, and I, I particularly remember the uh, Pine Rock area, uh, Pine Rock Park area, where we went uh, lots of times. And of course, uh, a cool dog will chase not uh, will chase not only raccoons, but if a skunk gets in the way, he'll uh, get oh, after yes. him too. Yeah. So they're like two gladiators looking at each other before they. And the skunk has got his tail straight up in the air and he's looking at me. And the other dog is dancing around him, he's looking for a chance. Well, anyway, lots of times the dog lost. And of course, when the dog lost, that's when we had to walk home from Hyrule Park. We always tried to get home, uh, you know, get on the car before anything like that happened. Because Get out of the car. Did you take the trolley? No, we didn't have a car. Well, you took the trolley? We took the trolley. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, that uh, that is when I started hunting. And I liked it because it was exciting. It was uh, in the nighttime in the country. The stars are so bright in the cold weather. And the, the sounds are so sharp. My ears were good then. And uh, so when we hear this dog finally barking, as we used to call it, we figured he, was, he, he had to pull up a tree. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so we'd uh, call to that place, and uh, that's when I was introduced to light irons, the kind that the fellas used to go up the telephone pole. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had never put them on before, so I didn't know much about it, but I figured if, if they could use it, so could I. So I put them on, and Frank and the other fellow was a little bit doubtful whether there was anything up there. But sure enough, I went up, and I saw two shiny bright eyes. But I... Uh, <laughs> And of course I had a 22. I thought it was well armed. <laughs> I took a crack at it, but he stood there and looked at me. <laughs> he didn't know. So I sat again, 
I'm just emotionally shaking. So anyway, Mike uh, says, maybe you're shooting at the stars. He says, no, well, how he ever got up the, the tree, I don't know. He shitted up the tree to get past me. And so, sure enough, he had a big, a heavy pistol. And when he shot, he didn't miss. Well, boom, I saw the coon hit the ground. Well, he hit the ground on his back. And I said, well, that, the bullet didn't kill him. The flaw certainly did. No, no way. <laughs> so, the dogs uh, held off. They tried not to jump in because he'd, he'd break their belly and over Oh, coons are so, mean. Yes. Sure enough. Well, we eventually got the pool, and it was 18 pounds, and uh, Christ like his wife was Hungarian, and uh, it didn't matter to her whether it was a, a coon or whether it was a cow or anything else. Mm -hmm. She could cook it. Sure. And she did, and she made a darn good job. And it tasted very nice. I was invited to that supper when they had it. But anyway, that's the introduction to that kind of, of hunting, yes. the night kind. Yeah. You should ask him about the trial. He's only thinking about an accident. Schultz was that fellow's name that built the house. Al got Schultz or his brother. Uh, you know, they built the house. S-C-H-U-L-T-Z. Built your house? But this, this house, right? This house. Yeah. He's the and man who built my parents' house up on... Uh, uh, Shepherd Street. I'm surprised, but what he was the one that put an addition on your house. Uh -huh. How about the original house? How many years after you moved in here? I don't remember how um, many years, but uh, I realized that uh, they made it bigger. Mm -hmm. Whether mm -hmm. they made it better or more. We understand it went through three editions yeah. after. You, you had the. Uh, like the fellow next door, his family grew, so he had a add to his house. Right. Yeah. Mr. Helbig, do you remember any of the policemen on the beat? They used to keep a policeman here at the yes, Green. They did. Uh, I think Garrity was one of the fellows. Uh huh. I'm okay. Not <coughs> I know they had traffic policemen rather than traffic lights yes. in those early days. Yes. And uh, now the center especially. Mm -hmm. It's about as much as I can remember mm -hmm. now. You mentioned taking the trolley car up to Pine Rock Park to go yeah. hunting. Yeah. The uh, that was very early because I think it was nineteen twenty six when they stopped running up there. Yeah. Uh, what do you remember about using the trolley for transportation in general? Well, you I must have used it to go over town. They received their power from the single wire that they had at the end of the run that they made. They would have to pull that down, the pole down, and fit it in the back end so the car could go the mm -hmm. other way. I remember that. Where did it go? Where did it go? Where did the trolley go? Well, the trolley went up as far up the road. Uh, they went past the, uh, it went up to the, one of the places up there. I don't know which one, but I can remember when it made us 
made a run over the, uh, and it fell over, it tipped over, and a lot of people got hurt. When was that? Text, text positive. When was that? In the 20s? Well, I, I guess it, I, I wouldn't be surprised, I don't know. Did it come from Bridgeport? Did it come from Bridgeport? Yeah, the, the trolleys, oh, uh, lots of them came from Bridgeport and they stopped on the way to the green and, and then they went on further. Remember one time you were telling me they had a fire, something to do with the fire engine and the trolley in Stratford? They had a push the, the, with the horses or something, they had a fire. See if you can remember back to that story you were telling me. Well, if I told you a story, it was true at that time. But yeah, I know. <laughs> still is, but... Apparently, they, there were a lot of people on the trolley car. There were, yeah. Uh, well, that was the one that tipped over at, at that trestle. Talk about that a little bit. That's a, probably the fireman went up there to do rescue work. Talk about that. Was the new line? It was the first day of the new line. What? Did you say that was the first day of the new line? They were just trying it out. No, that was the first day that they they went across that uh, place. They uh, they've been trying to analyze what caused it in the meantime, but uh, I think they came up with a solution that the foundation wasn't good enough for the weight that uh, was put on it at the time that went across there. Where did it go across? Huh? Across where? Pax Pond. Up there where at the end of the, where the streets come together. You know. Yeah. I'd like to talk a little more about the store and uh, what you sold in the store. Well, For canned goods, SS Purse. You were the SS Purse person as I well, remember. I'll tell you. The only one of the interesting things I thought was, uh, at that time I thought was interesting, was that uh, I gradually put in, besides meat, I found out that uh, the White Rose line, the Seaman Brothers, was a good line uh -huh. of fruits and canned vegetables and so forth. White Rose. So I built a lot of shelves and we put the stocked up there. Holiday Mavis was the uh, salesman for them. Well, anyway, as time went by, I uh, I wanted to sell Wonder Bread because Wonder Bread seemed to be the kind that everybody was buying. And all the time that they asked me, especially when I had delivery, if I sent a loaf or two loaves of bread along. So I kept trotting over to next door and buying it from me and paying him the retail price I made nothing for myself. So uh, I had uh, I had some relations with Baldwin who was a lawyer at that time. They traded with me. Oh Ray Baldwin? Yeah. Uh -huh. They lived up on Windsor Avenue. Uh-huh. And uh, when they uh, when he came in one day, he bought 
for several things and whatnot. And uh, I said, I have a little question for you. I said, I, I'd like to know if I can sell anything besides uh, what I have in a store at the present time. Well, he says, that's a, there's a question, a legal question. He says, it was, what was the intent of this place that you have? Okay. Well, I said, I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. Mm -hmm. Well, he says, I'll, uh, I'll think it over. So I says, how much do I owe you? He, well, whatever it was that he bought, that was how much. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you paid him in groceries. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it, it eventually turned out that I could uh, sell the Wonder Bread too. And the fellow came he was in a high dander because I was selling Wonder Bread, not buying it from him anymore. Uh -huh. so Who was that? Uh, was that uh, Wonder Bread? Yeah. No. Uh, what Who? what store was that? It was right next door to me. Uh huh. Yeah, it was the first national. Oh, the first national. Yeah. Yeah. It might have been. It might have been Davy Brothers. Davy Brothers. Oh. I think was there before First National. Uh -huh. First National, I think, was there later. Uh -huh. I think it was and uh, where did you buy your meats? How did you get your meats? Well, that's an interesting story too. Uh, yeah, Woodhull, uh, John R. Woodhull, was the uh, main supplier of meat, veal, lamb, beef poultry and so forth. And uh, so I didn't have any credit or anything else, but I went to him after I had bought that place. I says, Mr. Woodall, he says, yes. He says, uh, my name is Helbig. I says, you know my brother and you know my father. But uh, I says, it happens that I have bought the uh, we know what the store that Conway was running. But I says, what I would actually need is a wish credit. He says, a wish credit it will, uh, will get me started. He says, what do you know about pricing? I said, I know I got to charge more than I get for it. Well, he says, that isn't a complete answer. He says, uh, if you charge too much, try to make too much, you lose the customer. If you don't charge enough, you lose money. He says, you remember that and keep it in mind. Uh -huh. He says, I'll give you a loose credit. Uh -huh. So that's, that's how I started. Was he located, was he in, in Bridgeport or no, where? he was on Water Street. On Water Street. Water Street, yep. Most of the provision houses were there, weren't they, on Water Street? Uh, Water Street, there was a... At that time, there was Morrison Company and Carter E. Packing Company and Swifter Company, mm -hmm. and uh, there may have been somebody else, but uh, I remember those. They, they were the major ones. Did they deliver to the store? Yes, or? they delivered to the store. Mm-hmm. When did you switch from ice to uh, refrigeration for your frozen foods? For the frozen food? Yeah. Well. I turned around at the time I tried to get that uh, agency uh, to see if I could buy a, a chest from them too. And uh, they said yes, it would cost me so much 
eight uh, months or so for that. And uh, at the end of a certain length of time, they would allow me, you know, uh, some of the money that I had paid in rent. Mm-hmm. So that is the way that I uh, kept the cross, of course, in the beginning. And they were good, and uh, they had uh, little compartments and cans and whatnot, so you could put peas and know that they were all peas in there, and, and you could pull up another one of those peaches and things like that. And, uh, of course... Do you remember the year when, when you uh, started with the frozen food? Not exactly, no. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I should have remembered, but I don't. That's all right. Did you did you ever prepare any of your own uh, produce? Did you did did you prepare any of your own produce? Did you uh, make sauerkraut, pickles? You Uh, must have corned beef. Did you corn your own beef? Only the things like sausage. You did make sausage. Yeah, sausage. Mm -hmm. Did you corn your beef? The uh, sausage and the the meat and the links, both. I see. Yeah. Only thing I could make it better now that I could make it now. Mm-hmm. But I can't eat any salt now. That makes oh. that makes a difference. Oh gee. <laughs> Did you corn corn your beef? Huh? Did you corn your beef? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. I had. Uh, I found out that the proper way to do a good job and not to fool around was to not be like some of the fellas not added enough salt to blow the potato that was not enough because it that uh, changed the density but it was better to have a salina meter that uh, and it went from nothing to a hundred and went from i found out that 70 was the right amount when it got there you what do you put it in you stirred it and stirred it and stirred it and you put a small amount of saltpeter in, because if you didn't put the saltpeter in, it didn't have the color. Right. After. It would turn gray if you didn't put the saltpeter yeah, in. Yeah, true gray. Yeah. But uh, that's the way it was made. I know this man knows how to sharpen a knife. Uh, okay. <laughs> I know how, you know how to sharpen a knife. Oh. A butcher knife, because oh. I brought a bunch of them over one time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can sharpen knives all right. I made a sharpener for that. Yeah, well, he has uh, quite a nice little workshop down in the basement, which comes from his early factory jobs, uh-huh. experience, and so on. He's he's a very inventive man when it comes to things mechanical. In looking at the inside of your store, yeah. uh, I'm reminded uh, that you were still operating in the 1950s. Yes. How long I, did you I, run I, it? I, uh, I retired in 1951. 1951. Yep. So these pictures show it in its last yep. year. How much money did you lose during the Depression by giving credit? Well, I lost quite a bit, and I thought I would be uh, smart and tell everybody that they'd get a discount if they paid their bill. But they weren't interested in the discount, <laughs> so I finally had to cross off everything. Yeah. And how much I lost, I said, that's that's gone. I can't get it back. 
no use. But uh, of course, nowadays they do retailing and so entirely differently than they did in those days. And uh, they had uh, one of the things that was a big help was a kind of a plastic film that they had now that you could wrap things up and they wouldn't dry out. And uh, you could make attractive displays and so forth. But uh, right now it's, uh, it's an uphill job for anybody to try to buck the big fellas. Because they've uh, they have the advantages of of advertising, couponing, and so forth. Mass and, buying. Uh, so. Oh. I I realized that I was in business about the best time for it. Uh huh. Uh huh. I have a question. Uh, of your customers in the Paradise Green area, how many bought Prime? How many bought choice? How many bought the lower grades? No, nobody wanted the lower grade. If you could find some good, that was right next to choice, it was fine. Uh -huh. But if you, if you bought choice, the objective to the fat that was on there, and if you cut it off so that the fat off, so they didn't object to it, it, <coughs> it cost the butcher so sure. much. And uh, he paid for yeah. it, but he didn't get it back. So you lost either way. <laughs> you, yeah, you had to. Uh, you had to be as smart as you could and take it out the meat. Uh huh. Yeah. I know it's. Uh, another question for things like chicken. Did local farmers supply you with no, birds? No. No. Chickens is something I always got from wholesale houses. I see. I was uh, more assured of quality, uh -huh. and uh, I knew exactly that I could see what they were before I, I uh, bought them. I so opened, you I opened up the boxes, and they'd let me see. And also, on the pork pies and things of that sort, and on cash, I'd have a chance to pick up my own cash. Sure. And of course, if uh, lots of times I'd have to scatter myself after I bought them. And of course, you, uh, you had to be careful about that because if you cut through it, I placed the fat collector would notice that and they would penalize you for that cut. So you had to be on your toes lots of times. Mm -hmm. So you would go over to Water Street yeah. and place an order, and then they would deliver, is that it? Yes, mm -hmm. that's right. They would deliver. Yeah. You mentioned uh, dealing with town manager Reed yeah. earlier. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the other people down at Town Hall? Any of them? Do you remember Hunter? Don Samus was there. Yes. Uh, just wondering what you remember about Don. Well, I remember that the uh, town hall used to be the jail, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, then they had a, uh, a 
they changed that and they made a regular place. But that's about all I guess mm -hmm. I can remember now. Okay, do you have any more questions that no. we want to uh, no, uh, pry no. out of this gentleman? I do. I want to Oh, okay, good. All right. <laughs> good. Tell me about when you were a little boy and the circuits used to come to town oh, and went field. In Bridgeport? Did he grow up in Bridgeport? Uh-huh. Well, when I was a little boy and I used to come to town, yeah. P.T. Barnum. Oh, yes. Uh, that was always interesting. I look forward to it because uh, they have a wonderful parade and everybody would go to it on Main Street in Bridgeport. And uh, their wagons would go through and their clowns would go along. And uh, it was very colorful. And in those days, they, uh, when the circuits were pretty held, they'd have the side shows that you'd, you'd go past before you got to the main entrance to the to the circus itself and uh, they would have all kinds of hoochie coochie girls and all of that mm -hmm. stuff so uh, you were you had quite a lot of uh, things to remember about those days how old were you when you remember the circus how old were you when you used to go to the circus how old was I? Well, it was just before I was 18. Uh, I remember that because that's when I filled out the motorcycle. And I was coming home one night, and the, it started to rain, and the, the trolley tracks, I figured, were slippery. So I, I looked for a place where I, I could sort of turn into it wouldn't slide, but I didn't find it, so the thing, the motorcycle <coughs> went down underneath me, and it slid down the street, I could see it, yeah, but, but uh, I didn't get hurt, but, uh, but that, uh, as I recall, we, that was the time we went, it might have been somewhat before 1918, I don't know exactly. The people of Bridgeport got to see lots of circus, of course, in those days because the winter quarters were here until 1923, yeah. as I remember. Yeah. Out, out at the end of State Street. Yes. Know, at the end yeah. there. They used to, and they had the elephants and they used to put up the tents and everything. They pulled out the, the ropes and put them uh -huh. up. And you used to go watch that? Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, no. Not not too much. I don't remember, but I know they told me that that's what uh -huh. happened. Well, I think we've covered pretty well the uh, Paradise Green in, in uh, your period, Mr. Helbig.